Welcome to The Source by Hayes Talent Solutions, bringing you insights into the world of work. In this series, we'll be talking to industry experts about market trends, topics, and strategies, and how they're affecting organizations like yours. I'm your host, Alyssa Levitt. Welcome to The Source by Hayes Talent Solutions. I'm Paul Vinson. Today, I'm talking with four seasoned professionals about the indirect procurement lessons that can't be taught in the classroom. The toolkit they do give you at procurement school, be it awarded by a SIPs or any other training body, is only ever going to get you into the game. By itself, it will not equip you to play the game. Yes, of course you need technical skills, but if you want to play the indirect procurement game well, it requires good instinct. You need instinct so you can spot and adapt to the myriad of different people encounters that you are going to be having. Now, I'm delighted to welcome four fantastic guests to this podcast. During the next 30 minutes or so, they'll be reflecting on some of the best insights from their careers. Firstly, I'd like to introduce you to Paula Taylor. Paula. Good morning. Good afternoon, Paul. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you uh, asking me to join this morning and being part of this team. Uh, I thought the most interesting thing for me was uh, when you asked me about this, being in Austin, Texas and being in procurement now is what most people know for my career, but 20 years prior to that, I was actually a human resource professional. And so one of the things that I think we'll talk about are the things that we've learned and whether or not we have intentionally come to procurement. Uh, Mine was actually an interesting story whereby no, in fact, I was doing human resources and the procurement team at NXP at the time was Freescale Semiconductors, thought that it was interesting that we had really good hold or grasp on how we procure um, direct materials and laptops and all of the other things that we need in business, but not so much how do we purchase people or services. And so taking the human resource toolkit and applying it to procurement is how I found my way into procurement. And working with you, with Hayes, obviously that makes sense. So we're procuring talent and services uh, through our ecosystem that we've now created with our supply base. Um, okay. I've been 20, 25 years total, and I think I've done not uh, as good a job here as I'd like to, Paul, so I'm going to pass it over to the next person. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Thank you very much for welcome, Paula. Secondly, John claude Thompson. Thanks, Paul. Um, so myself, I'm, I'm a little bit shorter in time. I'm fast approaching eight, nine years in, in commercial uh, procurement. It's, it's also a pleasure to be part of, of this panel. Um, I personally actually fell into the world of, of procurement. It wasn't my what do you want to be when you grow up a procurement professional. Uh, you know, that wasn't my answer, but I'm very glad I've ended up here. Uh, over the last eight, nine years, I've had the pleasure of doing procurement based work in a number of industries from music and entertainment to telecommunications. And I'm currently working in the FMCG brewery industry with Heineken. Um, what actually attracted me, I think I wanted to blend my interests from my law school days with my passion for international business. Um, procurement uh, gave me that output to, to do some nice stints in Asia, the UK and, and now the Netherlands. So I can't complain too much. <laughs> so you're one of the international jet sellers, the jet setters on the, on the panel. Yes, but don't tell that to the travel and <laughs> And for the purpose of the audience, I think you're going to be JC for the remainder of the podcast, which is no that's problem. okay with you. Um, 
Next, uh, delighted to introduce someone I've known for a long time, Chris Bullock. Yeah, we have known each other for a long time. Been <laughs> on, uh, what, 20 years or so, I think now. So uh, there you go. So yeah, uh, happy to be here like the rest of the panelists. Uh, Chris Bullock, I'm currently the um, head of indirect spend for Novartis. Um, I've actually spent the last six or so years in pharmaceutical. Um, prior to that, um, I had a very enjoyable stint like JC in, um, in, F in FMCG. Um, Paul and I worked together at uh, British Telecom and, and prior to that I did a um, quite a long time um, at the world's largest travel and leisure company, TUI. Um, so quite a long career, um, pretty varied. Um, like JC, I actually fell into procurement more than anything else. Um, I think I was at the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time and um, got picked to do a project. Um, where I had some insight into the into the technical systems and gradually other people started leaving because it was a very political project and I was the only one left to um, kind of be there and actually navigate our way through dealing with the suppliers and that was my my first um, first piece into into procurement so that's me. Okay great thanks Chris and then last but not least David Atkinson. Hi David. Yeah thanks Paul. Hi great to be here. Um, I think my I'm probably the full set here as well because I thought I was going to be a marketeer. I was a member of the Chartered Institute of Marketing before I got anywhere, even thought about SIPs. But so I go off to a, a job interview at Black & Decker and FMCG uh, for a marketing assistance job and end up in procurement. And I hadn't the foggiest idea what I was actually going to do. But 35 plus years later, um, it's been a fabulous career. And I'd say about the last 12 to 13 years I've been doing consulting and training and working on the back of my FM, FMCG automotive and aerospace experience as a practitioner. So like everybody else, I guess it's um, I just fell into it. And I think one maybe one differentiator I can offer is a lot of the time I've been doing business training and consulting is I've been working about 50 percent of my time with sales professionals. So I've been stealing the procurement negotiation toolkit and telling the enemy how to beat procurement. So it's interesting to straddle both sides of the divide. Yeah, thank you. Well, welcome all four of you. And I'm really excited about the next 30 minutes as we get a drill into some of the key lessons that you've learned during your careers. I thought it might be a good idea to start us off with this whole area of how procurement can deliver real business impact. Uh, this is something which is often a topic of, of much debate. Um, Paula, can I start with you? So what, what does business impact really mean to you? Well, business impact actually has something, means very something very important and specific to me when it comes to procurement. And what I find, especially coming from the human resources side and now being part of the procurement team, is we do have more impact sometimes than we even perhaps realize. And what I mean there is when I'm looking at services in particular, um, how do you measure whether or not you made a good purchase? What does good look like when you're purchasing talent versus being able to compare and contrast uh, one laptop from another or any other uh, gas product or anything that is an actual commodity? So if we don't know how to measure talent or services differently than we do our traditional procurement metrics, we don't really know 
what business impact we're having. Um, so I actually think that you could purchase uh, or negotiate a contract for services. And I think we've talked about this before. Uh, I can negotiate a better price for talent. Does that mean that I'm going to have the right business impact that I'm looking for? So the least expensive talent doesn't necessarily produce the same result. When you're looking at two laptops or any other commodity, you're buying the exact same thing, so you're comparing the exact same uh, qualities in the two purchases. So um, I have made every mistake there is to make. Uh, I think we've talked about this before as well, where I purchased um, FAB services, hundreds of, of uh, contract workers to work in our manufacturing facilities, and I got a great price. So I was able to demonstrate from my procurement negotiation perspective what a great job I did. My business impact was wonderful. I saved the company millions of dollars and then proceeded to spend the next two years managing that supplier, having a negative impact on productivity in my factory. So I think knowing what you're buying, what does good look like, and how do you measure that is really the only way you can know what kind of business impact that you've had in your role as procurement. Okay, thanks Paula. And uh, I mean, it does also, I guess, change for the different organizations that that you may work for or encounter. I mean, Chris, you've worked in many different organizations and industries. What what does business impact mean to you? I, again, I think it, it does vary, right, in terms of the, the, the businesses that you're actually focusing on. So, I mean, you know, in uh, particularly some of the things that we're going through at the moment, I think in, in you know, in good times, um, procurement could be one animal and, and you know, when there's a crisis, perhaps procurement's a different animal too, and, and and that's probably consistent across all industries. But I think to go back to your point around business impact, I mean, I think you know our job and our responsibility is around disruption, um, and that's a commonly used term these days. But actually, um, we need to disrupt the thinking of the stakeholder. Yeah, um, they're the ones that are holding the company's purse and that the the budget. But they need to remember it's not their money. It's actually the stakeholders money. It's the shareholders money um, and it needs to be spent in a wise way. And I think our job is to hold the mirror up to them and make sure that it is actually being spent in that way. And I think, you know, when you're in that stream of what good actually looks and feels like, that's when that works really well and nobody gets precious about being challenged, you know, certainly I won't be, but I don't expect the stakeholders to be when you actually have that, you know, that uh, that discussion. And I think when you're doing it well, there's kind of a real momentum that you actually get with the stakeholder base. And that's when they start seeing the value of having somebody that perhaps looks independently across the enterprise mm -hmm. um, at the way that we manage suppliers and what the market's doing, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I would say business impact, look at the look at the stakeholder base and disrupt. Yeah, thanks, Chris. And then, of course, there's nothing more disruptive for everybody than COVID-19. Yeah. And JC, I'm wondering whether you think that you know, what's been happening the last few months has, has really materially impacted the expectations that organisations have of procurement. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm still asking myself the question, what has actually happened over the last <laughs> few months? Um, because it seems to be continually evolving. Um, but for myself, I think, you know, often procurement is they're, they're sort of seen of as the firefighters of the corporate world. So 
Um, we are, we're, we're trained day in, day out to try and mitigate whatever business risks we can we can see or, or, or predict, shall we say, coming along the horizon. But every now and again, you get this unforeseen circumstance pop its head up. And I think COVID-19 has been the classic example of no one saw this coming. Um, that said, um, one of my biggest heroes, or British heroes anyway, is, is good old Winston Churchill. And, and he had the famous saying of, you, you should never waste a good crisis. So um, I think on, on, on that kind of mentality, procurement needs to adopt the same approach and we, we really need to buckle up in this tough situation and, and show the business the exact value we can add, going back to all of that business impact that, that both uh, Paula and Chris just talked about. Um, I personally think COVID-19 has given myself and I'm sure many other procurement individuals a strategic seat at a table, which ordinarily we might not have been invited onto. Um, not just from a crisis mitigation point of view, but also looking more deeply into the way we're going to do things moving forward. And, and that spans all across indirect, whether it's uh, your IT capabilities, your real estate utilisation, or indeed, as Paula said, your, your workforce management. So I think the real challenge for us now as, as procurement professionals is to, to deliver on the business impact, meet the expectations, expect more from ourselves and hopefully keep the seat at the table moving forwards. Okay, thanks very much JC and, and, and David, I mean like me, you, you've spent time on both the buying and the selling side. Yeah. What are your thoughts from having that experience that procurement really could and should be delivering? Well, I was always told, I, I came up in the years when SIPS was really putting itself on the map and procurement was getting access to the boardroom. And I was kind of always told that don't present procurement as a service providing function because it diminishes its strategic impact and the perception of it of being a real strategic function. We need to be recognised as standing up for ourselves at the boardroom table. However, after so many years of hearing story after story about procurement not being sufficiently recognised, I've kind of come to the conclusion that value is in the eye of the beholder. And it's not for procurement, particularly in the indirect space, it's not for procurement to say to a stakeholder in IT or HR or in operations that we understand the supplier better than you do. So my my uh, I've come around to this idea that procurement's job at a fundamental level is to make other people successful on the value agenda that they own. So only somebody in design or in IT can really define what value means to them. So my view is about procurement needs to modulate its engagement with with stakeholders so that it presses all the right buttons with whichever constituency we're talking about. So it's, it's the opposite of a one size fits all. We are the people who are gonna challenge and confront you and tell you how to do your job. Because there's gonna be some occasions when that might be the case, but I think in the indirect space, we need to be much more adaptable to the needs of stakeholders. Yeah, thanks David. And I mean, I think, you know, we've, we've obviously talked around uh, organizational impact and what you've really sort of segued into with your last answer was you know, how as individuals we need to be successful to what are the characteristics to behavioral traits 
um, are one of those things that you just need to be be wary of. Um, so I'm just sort of thinking first about communication. So Chris, what would you say are the most important communication skills that you've you've developed over the years or you've seen work and not work? So I think to build on David's point, um, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a purpose, right? So um, I think it should be about listening. And I think um, there's a lot of people that are very willing to give their opinions. Um, and quite often those opinions are made on assumption basis. Um, and whilst I think at a certain point in the game, we have to make assumptions to be able to move forward, um, it's, it's vitally important that you get all the facts and, it, and it's a, a factual based discussion that you actually have with people. So listening to me is the, the, the big one, I think, in terms of uh, communication skills. Uh, any other thoughts on, on communication skills? Yeah, I think I think my my add on on communication skills is is probably the awareness of of who you're you're communicating with, and and that becomes really important, especially in a global role, because the way that you talk or communicate or even you know try and represent your argument from one culture to another, or from one business unit to another, or from one operating country to another, can have a very different impact. Uh, depending on who you're actually talking to. So I think the awareness of your communication and also the awareness of who you're trying to speak to or who you're trying to convey your message to is critical to the overall outcome of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's um, just to jump in there as well. I mean, my my experience, I've worked in, in lots of different countries during my career. Um, and the problem with us us Brits, right, we, we use the English language and we use the colloquialisms of the English language and expect everybody else to actually understand what we're talking about. Now, of course, that doesn't always follow. So some of the biggest rabbit holes that I've ever created are through my own tongue, unfortunately. So I think that's something that we just need to be aware of. So, David, any, any particular lessons that you've learned from that respect? Well, well, Paul, I think one of the the really amusing characteristics of procurement people or being in procurement is that everybody hates your guts because and I think primarily it's because you're bureaucratic, you slow things down, you kind of get in the way of other people doing their job. And I think it's also because in our private lives, we're all buyers and everybody thinks they've got, you know, it's the old adage about a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. So one of the things that I think procurement people have to kind of ready themselves for is how do they deal with that low level suspicion or even hostility from some stakeholder groups? So they have to kind of be, have kind of a tough shell to be able to deal with some of the sarcasm and the criticism that comes back from, from stakeholders. So, you know, they really have to be very deliberate in trying to keep their morale high. So they don't lose sight of what the prize is, that they are there to help people be successful in their jobs and of course to deliver against their targets, but recognise that it's not going to be an easy ride. And, and of course, you know, to to do that, you need to be quite creative and, and innovative. I mean, JC, I mean, what uh, what have you learned about sort of the importance of those two skills over the years? Yeah, I think I think creativity and, and innovation is of course at the forefront of any successful organization and, and their ability to adapt and change as, as things go on but they very much rely on their workforce to cultivate that change and 
um, with a growing number of Generation Y or, or millennials in the workforce or entering the workforce, who let's face it, um, we want everything as efficiently as possible from one click purchasing to 24 hour servicing, you name it. Um, we can naturally expect that innovative thinking is going to become a must have in the future rather than a nice to have uh, when we're looking at um, workforce planning. But that said, I, I think we shouldn't expect too much in terms of what procurement uh, should do, because I don't think we have to solve every single problem the industry has has in itself. What we need to do is to employ and to try and recruit individuals who I think can cultivate the creativity in the scenario um, and maybe more importantly, try and stimulate the change uh, that will enable the innovation to take place internally. And if we can do that, then I think that's exactly the traits that we need as, as procurement professionals. Yeah, I mean, I've often thought you know, that the procurement is, is about facilitation and internal change management and Paula, yeah, you're going through a, a mega change program at the moment, which we um, well delighted to be helping you with. Um, but it's it involves all the things we talked about: communication, resilience, tenacity. I mean, any any particular critical elements of the change agenda that you're trying to bring to bear on on the program you're running? I think actually change management. It pulls all of these pieces together. I think, first of all, we have to be master communicators, and that is internally as much as externally. I think often people see procurement and they think of us negotiating contracts with suppliers, being the bad guy with the suppliers and making sure that we're representing the company. Um, but what I find is I spend probably uh, more of my time negotiating internally and what I mean there is we've got constituencies, you mentioned earlier, David, across the organization, whether it's cross-functionally trying to get an idea um, harmonized or socialized across the company, um, or whether you're doing something, as you mentioned, Paul, uh, maybe more innovative or different than your internal stakeholders even potentially have an appetite for. So I find myself often finding something that perhaps seems innovative or uh, like the next thing we should be considering, but my stakeholders aren't there yet. So I will spend a lot of time managing their perspective or their perception of what we want to get done. So I think taking all of these things together that we've talked about, communication and having that tenacity to keep pushing when you know it's the right thing to do, but you're trying to bring everyone else along with you, is how we drive to that business impact, which was the very first thing that you brought up, that you asked us about. So I think communication and all of these things are are the key internally and externally to having yeah. that Thank you. Well, I, I, you've given our audience some absolute great advice and, and I'd like to bring us to, to a finish by inviting each of you to give your younger selves some advice. So, so if you were to look back to the beginning of your procurement career, what would be the one piece of advice you would love to have been given? JC, if I can ask you to go first. Thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, it's a good question. It's actually quite a difficult one for me to uh, to pin down. Um, but I, I think the one thing that perhaps I think has benefited me the most and, and I hope others uh, would have the opportunity to do uh, the same is, is the fact that when I first joined procurement, I was honestly surrounded by really good people. 
and and what I mean by that is I was exceptionally fortunate to to find myself with highly intelligent but also very inspiring people who made me see the potential that there is in procurement because I'll be honest when I first joined in I, I didn't know too much about what this procurement gig was um, but mm -hmm. That said, you know, my, my father also told me from a very young age that the biggest choice that you tend to make in your in your working career is is not the salary, it's not the company, it's not the brand, but it's actually who's your boss? You know, who who are you going to be dealing with? Who's your team and 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 what's the makeup of, of that dynamic? So if I was to give one piece of advice, it's you know, choose your mentor, choose your boss well. And if you've got those two things sorted, I think you're on to a pretty good start. Yeah, that's a, that's a great start on this question. Paula, what about you? Yeah, well, I think if you're trying to innovate and you're trying to do something new and different um, and you know it's the right thing to do, um, I've had to remind myself throughout the years, don't take everything personally. You're going to make enemies, so to speak, or you're always going to be that voice trying to push people to do things they don't want to do, whether it's your supplier or your internal stakeholder. Um, never stop learning know what you know is right and never stop fighting for what you know is the right thing to do. So you can't take everything personally when everyone doesn't like you. So <laughs> that's another great one. David. Well, Paul, I think um, I think in the round, I think I've been pretty satisfied with with the path that I took, uh, although it started with an accident of falling into procurement like the rest of us. But I think one of the key choices young people face today is is whether to specialize in procurement or have a more general business education. And I think there's a lot of discussion these days about soft skills. And I'd like to challenge some of the some of some of the thoughts around that, I, I think, uh, when I think about where I was when I started. I think if you're going to specialize in, or if you're going to do procurement or any business function, I think it's really, really important that you become, you're committed to becoming excellent at it. And, and I, th I say that because if you're a stakeholder and some young procurement person or someone from another function comes into your space without offering advice and support and help, they have to offer something you don't already have. And great interpersonal skills or generic negotiation skills are kind of the, the minimum that you need to have. It's like the order qualifier, if you like. The thing that I think ultimately makes the difference is that you bring something to the table that nobody else in the, their domain actually brings. So I'm all for really deepening specialist procurement skills, but as long as you're house trained, that's key. <laughs> so yeah. I agree. You have to be really good. Yeah. And uh, and uh, Chris, I, I'm tempted to sort of suggest you, you support a different football team, but I won't. I won't say that. So, what would be your uh, your your main advice to your younger self? Support a different football team. <laughs> um, I would say a few things actually. I think so. If I can, if I can just steal the floor for a minute, one would be maintain your curiosity. So never think that you actually know everything because it will surprise you and they'll, they'll uh, you know, sooner or later you'll, um, you, you'll start finding that actually you're behind the times as opposed to ahead of the times. So make sure that you're always curious. 
I think the other thing that, that, that I would advise people on is be courageous. Yeah? So um, there's perhaps linked with the curious piece as well, but it's amazing the amount of people that when you sit in a meeting, you think that they know the answer and you finally are courageous enough to put your hand up and say, what do you actually mean by that? Explain what you're talking about. And everybody says to you afterwards, oh, I'm so glad you asked that question because I didn't have a clue what was going on. So, so be courageous to ask the stupid questions and the honest questions, which I suppose goes to the, the, to the, to, you know, some of the other points is really, you know, be authentic about yourself. Um, everybody's got weaknesses. Um, everybody's got uh, skills and strengths, but just be authentic with the people that are around you because people warm to that. And our job really is about facilitation and facilitation is about creating a great network. So um, that would be mine. And then my last one, sorry, Paul, uh, but my last one would be if you can know your suppliers better than anybody else knows your suppliers. And if you can do those things, I think you'll be all right. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of The Source. We hope you found it useful. I'd like to say a fantastically big thank you to my superb guests, Paula Taylor, JC Thompson, Chris Bullock and David Atkinson. Don't forget you can download our podcast on a variety of media, stream us straight to your device to hear from industry experts, disruptors and your peers on how to get work done better and thrive. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Source. If you liked what you heard, you can follow Hayes Talent Solutions on LinkedIn, where we post daily insights and reminders for upcoming episodes. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcast episodes, feel free to reach out to us via email at contacttalentsolutions at hayes.com.